Hey friends, I'm Ash. I'm Elle. We are Lavi Cosplay. This is Shenanigans Cosplayers Say. Today we are doing the follow-up to our Fact versus Opinion episode. We got quite a few questions um, on the form after this episode, so we are going to address those today. But first, we are going to start with some international contest updates. Uh... All right, so last weekend, from when we were recording... Yomacon happened in Detroit, Michigan, and for those of you that follow the show, you know that that is where we participated in the qualifier for the International Cosplay League. Again, this year, they also did International Cosplay League, so they have a solo and duo representative going. Cosplay World Masters was back as well, um, and in addition to their normal masquerade and hall cosplay awards they also had two really cool sponsorship awards this year so bernina donated a sewing machine and then ditto form who does 3d body doubles based off of a 3d scan of the person to make a dress form um, also donated their services so some really cool stuff happened at yomacon in their cosplay contest so to start out with our sponsorship awards, um, Cherry Pie won the Bernina Award for their rendition of Columbina from Genshin Impact. The Ditto Form Award went to Lavender Cemetery as the East Witch from Saki Zo's Fantasy of the Dream. Um, now, Lavender Cemetery was the ICL solo um, in 2019, which was the technically the year before we went Mm -hmm. um, because we were originally slated to go in 2020 and then COVID happened. Um, Our coordinator from SakuraCon, Sumikins, and Red Leaf Cosplay won Best in Show as Ariel, I'm going to butcher these names, Ariel and Sakura from Card Captor Sakura. So I totally skipped those last names because... My brain's not in it. <laughs> not today. Not today. Today is not that day. Not today, brain. Cosplay World Masters. The U.S. representative is going to be the Mystic Artisan as Colette Brunel in her Halloween companion skin from Tales of Link. Our ICL solo representative is Jedi Manda, who did a stunning, stunning gown from House of the Dragon, which is the Game of Thrones spinoff. Um, Rhaenyra Targaryen. Tar- uh, <laughs> um, yeah, how about you say that? Uh, because Yes, no, not she me. was um, Rhaenyra Targaryen from Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. There you go. <laughs> it's fabulous. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Love it. Stunning. Uh, I just, I love all the details, though. It makes me... I've been watching that dress for a long time, so it's... It's fun to see it. Well, and it just, it's so fulfilling when you've been watching a build like that. Right. And then seeing what happens at the end of it. And you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> and then our ICL duo this year is Jay-Z Cosplay and So Excited Cosplay as Vax and Vex from Critical Role Vox Machina. Oh. Um, we've known Jay-Z for years, too. Jay-Z actually 
Yeah, Jay-Z was actually there when we did our qualifier. Yes, they ended up doing um, C4. Well, they were selected for C4, but then, you know, pandemic changed things. Um, yes, as it does for everybody. So Jay-Z cosplay has also been one half of a past Team WCS. Have fun in Spain, friends. Yes, have have all the fun. Do all the things. So then we had another major contest happen the same weekend at BlizzCon. So here's how BlizzCon works. Um, as the name suggests, everything must be from a Blizzard property. Um, they do this kind of like Crown. So you do an online submission and 90% of the visible costume must be created by the crafter. Um, there is a minimum of 25% completion required at submission. But as we all know, the more you have done, the better luck you have. Um, and the franchise is any Blizzard franchise. So not just um, Warcraft, but it could be Diablo, Hearthstone, Overwatch, Starcraft, etc. Um, you must be at 80% by October 1st. So in this case, it was October 1st, but it depends on when the con is. Um, you have to prove that with photo and video confirmation. So then they select about 25 to 30 entrants um, for this in-person judging, and then they get comp tickets to BlizzCon. Um, yeah. And then they do invite some people in to do like exhibition and things as well. So yeah. I think as long as they've got room, um, because I, I forget what they call it, but they also have a cosplay exhibition. Um, so as long as they have room, they're still willing to take people for that portion of it. And then if for whatever reason you have to drop out or no longer qualify because maybe you didn't get your 80% done, you're still then invited to participate in the exhibition portion, just not the actual judged. So again... The more you have done when you submit, the better off you are. Yes. And each category winner received uh, $1,450 and a free ticket to BlizzCon 2024. They have this really weird, like, little caveat in there that it has to take place before November 30th. But, like, you don't control that. Well, I think, I'm wondering if um that's when their fiscal year for their oh, business ends. probably. Um, yeah. So, like, it's included in the budget for that the year, next yeah. fiscal year. But <laughs> so if they have it outside of that, this is just me speculating. But I just thought it was really funny that it specifically had that little note in there. Well, and so BlizzCon kind of does, like, categories like Crown does where it's more based on the type of craft as opposed to, um, like, Master, Journeyman, Office, that kind of thing. And they've changed over the years. Yeah, they change frequently. Um, they're not super consistent with their categories. So you don't necessarily know exactly what you're going to be applying for. Well, and I think this is their first year back to having a contest in a while because of all the drama that happened. Well, and these um these categories they had this year are very mixed media heavy categories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they've got their Master Crafter, which is going to be mastery of one or more traditional or cutting edge <laughs> crafting techniques. I don't know why you have to say that. You could just say one or more crafting techniques. <laughs> Most of the time, they're either going to be traditional or new and fancy. <laughs> so, but if it maybe if it used to be new and fancy, but it's not yet considered a classic, they don't want it. I don't know. Uh... Um, but examples given were sewing, embroidery, blacksmithing 
woodworking, leatherworking, working with foam, not foam work, but working with foam, <laughs> 3D printing, and more. Their colossal creation, which I believe is pretty much the equivalent of larger than life, and you see it a lot of other places. But this demonstrates excellence in using large-scale fabrication to create a legendary, larger-than-life character. Costumes must be able to fit within a 39 by 39 inch area, safely maneuverable up and down a 1 to 12 ratio, ADA compliant ramp to reach stage level, and must be able to become shorter than 77 inches to maneuver through a standard doorway. I love that they put all of those specifications in there because being able to walk through the door without having to take your costume apart is important. It is important. And a lot of people do forget about that fact. Or they just don't care. Or they just don't care. Or or they ask the con and they can't give them any details for whatever reason. Or they ask the con and the con breaks their rules for the contestant that can't fit on stage or through the door, which we will talk about in this episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, epic. Epic FX um, demonstrates excellence in incorporating special effects such as lighting, complex mechanical or robotic elements, and more. I like how non-specific that is. That's about as specific as Crown's FX category is. So hey, <laughs> it's just like F- FX is just like the like lonely, like forgotten child over there. It's like you're, and you're really you're really good at the one thing one or more things it's really big or you have fancy stuff (laughs) that's the three we don't know what else you are so you go into fx that's basically what happens um then on top of that they had this year um they call it dynamic duo which is essentially group um awards an outstanding pair so as the name suggests two people duo of contestants whose cosplay represents a legendary set of two Blizzard characters, ancient rivals, best friends, heroes and sidekicks, and other prime pairings. So they can't be two random characters. They need to be two characters that actually make sense with each other. Makes sense. What if they make sense in my head? What if it's my OTP? I think they want actual canon and not OTP canon. Mm. But is it a rule? Uh, it's a vague rule <laughs> honestly so sure um well and then similarly to what twitchcon does out of those four category winners one of those four winners is then dubbed the best in show um and your best in show is your overall winner um they also get three thousand dollars and that's per person I believe if for the duo, yeah. you just get the fourteen fifty to split between the two of you. Right. But if the best in show is the duo, then they each get three K. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just gonna be the one thousand or the three thousand right. for the single person. Plus tickets to BlizzCon twenty twenty four, as long as it's before, before November thirtieth. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's all good. Um, so our best master crafter was Ashley as Denathrius from the World of Warcraft. Best Colossal Creation was Tiffany Gordon Cosplay as Lilith from Diablo 4. Best Epic FX was Anna Hagen as Jaina Proudmore from World of Warcraft. And Best Dynamic Duo was Lauren and Neil Brassfield as 
Corcoran Dark Shaman from World of Warcraft. And then out of all of those, our best in show overall was Tiffany Gordon Cosplay as Lilith from Diablo 4. That was BlizzCon. That was BlizzCon. So good, good, good stuff. Um, Pictures were stunning. Well, and I always like seeing some of these juried shows, um, especially when they get to stream them so we can see all the all the deets up close. It makes me it makes me happy. So So we are going to take a look at specifically the quiz that was part of our fact versus opinion episode. So let's do it. That one was a while ago at this point, but we did release a quiz that went with the fact versus opinion episode. Now I'll tell you right now, it is not perfect by any means. Um Obviously not a heavily researched scientific quiz of any uh, format, but I thought it would just be interesting to see like what people responded to, what questions it evolved, that sort of thing. So we did have 40 responses, which is not, you know, large enough scientific, you know, data for anything. Like this doesn't really mean anything. Um but I do this think for that the responses to the questions are interesting. So um, the first question was, you can buy wigs and wig supplies online. And 97.5% answered that correctly as a fact. So this is a fact because you can very easily prove that you can buy wigs online. <laughs> you can't really dispute it. It is doable. It is a thing that can happen. Got a box from Arda the other day. You can't compete with a costume that has already won an award. Um, 95% did choose this as opinion. Um, And it is an opinion because it can only be a fact if it is a rule of a specific contest. So it is not a fact. It is an opinion. Um... So obviously, if you haven't taken this quiz, you should um, take it first and then listen to this episode because you're going to know all the answers. Um, Leather is a material that can be used for armor. 92.5% said this was a fact. It is a fact because you can easily prove that you can use leather for armor of some sort. doesn't say all armor. just says that leather can be used for armor. Yes. It can. Ta-da. If you win a contest, you are immediately qualified to judge that contest. A hundred percent did identify this as an opinion. So good job. Good job. Good job with that one. (laughs) You must cosplay popular sources to be seen on social media. A hundred percent did select this as an opinion. So some of you have fi- figured out that when it's an absolute, it's probably an opinion. Convention competition rules state that you may recompete with a costume that has an award if you remake 50% of the costume. So 95% said this was a fact. And I do identify this one as a fact because it is saying it's specifically for that contest. And it is a specific rule of that contest. So it's not saying for all contests. It's just saying for that specific contest. So it does count as a fact. 
Bigger is always better when entering cosplay contests. 100% of you did identify that as an opinion. Good job. After looking at records from each year to verify the information at Y convention, every best in show has been an armor build since their contest started. 97.5% identified this as a fact, which it is. But why is it a fact? Because we can prove it. Because you can prove it. They went back and looked at all their masquerades and went, each year an armor build has won. Okay. Therefore, it is likely that you need to enter an armor build to win Best in Show. 97.5% identified that as an opinion. Because that is an opinion. You are inferring, based on the factual evidence that you have, that it is highly probable that you need an armor build to win Best in Show. So based on your facts, you're probably right, but it's still an opinion because we don't know for sure. Like it's not a rule in their contest that says only armor can get Best in Show. So yes, correlation does not equal causation. As per Z convention rules, walk-ons qualify for performance awards. 100% identified that as a fact. So you have learned that the rules are typically considered facts. This was a really hard one, and I will have to go bounce back to the um, the explanation for this one, because this was our most divided. Um, but play in adulthood, such as cosplay, can impact your mental health in a positive way. 65% said it was a fact, and 35% said it was an opinion. Now, it is considered a fact, and the reason for that is that there is large amounts of psychological research that prove that play in adulthood is healthy and that cosplay is a type of play. So it says can. It doesn't say must. It says can. So that does make this a fact. But that doesn't mean that there aren't unhealthy things about cosplay. Like It just means that in this case, yes, play in adulthood, such as cosplay, can impact your mental health in a positive way. It can. Research states, yes, this can. I, however, could not put in the question, research states that blah, 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 because then I wasn't going to get like a good gauge on what people's thoughts actually were. So people complained about that particular question. Um, and I understand why. But if I would have put that information in there, um, then you, I wouldn't be able to know what people were thinking. So I think it's interesting that that's as divided as it is. Um, considering I'm going to guess that most people are cosplayers that are reading this. So Really, it's one of those things that if we would have changed the word can to must and made it an absolute, then, that's then an it would have been an opinion. Yeah. Well, and so these get harder as we go, too, because they all have that some of them have that kind of connotation. Um, sexy female cosplay will always get more attention than any other type of cosplay. 97.5% said that was an opinion. Just true. But look, absolutes again. I know. People who don't make their costumes are not real cosplayers. 100% said that was an opinion. Cosplay is a form of art. 65% said that was a fact. And 35% said that was an opinion. So 
This was another one where I couldn't put the other information in there because it would give the answer away. Um, but this is considered a fact because it does fit the formal definition of the word art. So, which apparently is not on here, and I thought it was. Ooh, I have one. Oh, have you? Do you have yes. it? Yes. Okay. Um, art is the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form. So it fits the formal definition of art. So yes. But I understand why that one's very divided. Because the everyone has a different perception of what that actually means. In most craftsmanship-based contests, you have to make your costume yourself or be accompanied by the person who made your costume. 95% said that was a fact. 5 said it was an opinion. It is a fact. Most. You could do the research and you would easily be able to do math and say, hey, the majority say this. It's weird to wear street clothes to a convention. 100% said that was an opinion. You should never attend ZCon for any reason. It's a terrible convention. 100% said that was an opinion. At V convention, you may not compete with a costume that has won any placement award, regardless of size of the contest. So this one was interesting. 77% said this was a fact, and 22 said it was an opinion. Interesting. That is interesting. It is a fact. Because it says, at this convention, this is a rule. So, because it's a rule, at this convention, it's a fact. Do I agree with it? No, but it is a fact. All right. So, then we had... A bunch of questions that evolved out of this quiz. So we are going to try to address some of those. Some of them were repetitive or some of them didn't apply to the fact versus opinion itself. We got like a bunch of other extra things too, which I have saved for future use. But we are going to specifically talk about the ones that had to do with this episode. Um. And I mean, you guys send in some really great questions. So we are more than happy to try to address these as best as we can. Um, so the first one we had was when talking about the rule that you must have completed a certain percentage of your cosplay to compete, the line between fact and opinion can get messy, especially when you throw in modified items versus made from scratch items. How should com competitive cosplayers and judges navigate this? So the percent made thing is always difficult, and I honestly think we use it because there's really no better way to do it. Um, but it's getting foggier now that people are starting to make their base materials as to what that percent made actually means. Um, um, well, and I think I think this is one of those things that is going and it's always been one of those things that if it was kind of questionable you would always get it cleared um through the coordinator anyway but i think it's going to be one of those things that people are going to need to kind of identify a little bit more specifically as far as what they mean um even if you're looking at like the definition of what is modified versus made um for percentages you could do like blizzcon does where it actually says your visible costume so the parts that everybody can see 
Um, I've seen other places where they do it based on the number of items in your costume, like the number of pieces. Um, I've seen some places do it based on like visibly like your percentage of your body. Like, so we'll say like, you know, your arm will call like 20% and your, you know, your legs are, your calves are 20% or whatever. Like they'll actually black out your body to be a certain percentage for each body part. And then if those areas are covered, then you would dictate, yes, I made it or no, I didn't. Most conventions do not require you to, from scratch, make your wig or your shoes. Does that mean that people aren't doing that now? No, they are. I mean, let's be honest. People are now making wigs, shoes, fabric, everything. So um, it does get hard to navigate because it's also hard nowadays to decide what is and isn't a modified item. Like... Things that used to be considered like, yes, you 100% made that is almost now being considered modified because of the drastic, you know, the big push that people are going to kind of extreme measures in some contests. So uh, most contests will consider heavily modified, but that's usually for items that aren't your main piece. So like if you're heavily modifying a pair of pants and not making them from scratch, that's probably going to be a problem. But if you're modifying or heavily modifying, like you bought some beads and you're changing them, that's still made. Like your beads are your base material. Like that's a base material. So you don't have to blow a thousand tiny glass beads. Like they're a base material. So, but yes, the percent thing is getting foggy now. As we look at some of these, you know, and we run in a circle of crazy people who make their base materials. So for us, it's always, it's hard for me to even navigate, like, how much did I actually make of this costume? Because I didn't make this, like, bead from scratch. So you you making the comment about the, the beads reminds me of a, a, a cosplay that I'm planning on remaking. And um, I've been shopping for jewelry findings. And... I 100% am wondering because this one particular piece has been so hard to find if I'm going to have to buy one of the cosplay necklaces to take it apart in order to use this one individual finding piece, which is just one element out of the entire necklace, because I can't find it for sale anywhere, like this one particular piece that I need. And I'm like, that's just really silly. I'm going to buy this thing and then take it apart so that I can put it in something else so that I can say that I made it. I mean, I'm having that internal struggle right now with Oogie Boogie where I'm probably going to cast a select amount of bugs, even though I probably could make the Halloween bugs do it just to say that I did it. But that's a whole episode on itself of when does it start to get ridiculous to the point where we are making things from scratch that is unnecessary just to say that we did it to up our percentage score but that's its own episode <laughs> well and your per- that and like which only matters typically in super close contests. yes because in a normal masquerade typically your results are not going to be close enough or it's going to be like okay but what per- you know they made them at this same quality level who made more our problem is very often the competition circle that we like to run in <laughs> you know <laughs> so that's okay. Yes. But yes, we will probably do an episode on that at some point because I do also think that people are 
too concerned about those things for regular contests, and they may not need to be stressing themselves out as much as they are. Um, as people who have done that to themselves for regular contests. Sure, yeah. Well, and that'll be the third, fourth time I've made that particular costume. Well, that costume so apparently about... you're just going to keep making for the rest of forever. your life. So Yes, for the, forever. I'm going to be like an old grandma one day with this particular costume, costume in its 60th, 65th rendition or right. whatever. But it'll be interesting to be able to talk about like how I started when I was an itty bitty like um, couple we'll years in cosplayer. We'll have to show cosplayer. the picture progression. The, yeah, of that it'll particular be costume. I like um, it. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting to talk about growth. I think. So we did have a question, um, which I think we kind of answered about um, wanting more information. So I have multiple statements about wanting more information to decide whether these are fact versus opinion. So we hope that we did get to that by explaining the questions and the backgrounds behind them. Um, but if we didn't, you can shoot us a DM or an email. Let us know if you have any additional questions. Um, I just really liked this one. Um, I am sick and tired of Americans with intense sag-bagging opinions pushing these opinions onto the rest of the world. Amen. Uh, same. 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 I wish we would, like, chill out, honestly. Like, mm. hot take. I hate the whole being so concerned about sandbagging thing. Just let people compete in multiple contests. I don't care. Like, that's a rant yeah. all in of itself. I'm... The... Well, and I just I think back to like back back in the day, back in like, day. that wasn't normal. Yeah, back when like we first started, because I remember specifically like thinking about like competition circuit and like I feel like it was pretty standard to use one costume for like a convention season. Well, so, exactly. Like, you'd use it for like a year and then move on to the next thing. Well, and they try to claim that we do it because we have so many contests. But I think it's, I mean, my personal opinion, it's got a little out of control, but we might need to save that for our future Patreon hot take rants at some point, whenever we get that done. Haha, <laughs> that's a 2024 problem at this point, guys. But that's a, that's a, we're really busy. That's a future us problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, 2023 fell apart for me because I'm still sick. So yeah, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Um, but this one kind of goes with that one as far as people like judging and sandbagging. Um, even if you read the rules of a contest and clarify those rules with the contest runners, some people will still ruin your experience because they think you are sandbagging. Just because they can't see the dozen dozens of hours of hand-beating upgrades doesn't mean they aren't there. So yes, it's that backseat judging. Um issue so yeah i mean you are probably gonna have people with contests that complain even if you follow the rules because their opinion states that that rule shouldn't be a rule i mean that's what that is that's uh i don't feel like this should be a rule um well and that takes us back to like don't be a dick <laughs> professional well, right it, there's no reason to to do that um but yeah i mean that is probably going to happen but the thing is if you're following the rules you can always fall back on the rules for the choices that you made yes this one came up a couple times um and this also could probably be its own episode in and of itself but 
I feel like we need a set standard of what constitutes a beginner, an intermediate, and a master. Awards aren't a good gauge, but I... Awards aren't always a good gauge, but I do understand it's not always easy to measure the skills. Like it. I I do think that that could be like a whole big conversation in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, this this is a very broad question. And if you all want us to tackle this in detail more, we are more than happy to. But there are actually a lot of reasons why this won't work. Which I know we've covered like here and there in the past. And I think it's one of those things where it could work under certain circumstances. But just because of the way... At least in the States, it would never work because there's too many different cons that are all going to do their own thing anyway. Um, I think it has the potential to work under the right circumstances, but in general, yeah, no. Our country is just too big. There's too many conventions. It's too big. There's no way to like get every convention to agree to what the definitions of those categories would be. Right. Well, and, and not even all of them have two categories or three categories. No, would like, it be great if we could find another way besides, like, awards to gauge where someone could go? Sure. Yeah. But I don't know what that would be. Like, it's the easiest way for a coordinator to gauge whether or not you belong in that category. Right. Well, and because it's objective and not subjective. Well, and you can always move yourself up if you feel like you belong in a higher category. Right. And the judges and the coordinator could always move you up if they feel like you belong in a higher category. Um, But the number of awards that you have is fact-based and your level of skill based on some arbitrary assessment is opinion-based, which is why it's not super functional. I did have a couple questions on how to confront someone who is very insistent on presenting their opinion as a fact. And we covered that a little bit in the first episode. But let's say you're just, you're in the green room and this person is just absolutely insistent that you didn't do your 50%. Like, what do we do with those people? I don't think that it's, inappropriate to just politely decline to further engage them eventually you just have to walk away yeah um, because you don't want to escalate with them because if you if you sit there and let them like affect your mood negatively or you react to them then they're going to say you're getting defensive and they're going to get further escalated and it just it has the potential to cause problems and I mean, it's, it's kind of like in school, like, yeah, you know, this kid was bullying this other kid, but if you hit back, then you're both in trouble because you were both involved. Um, so you don't necessarily want to engage in that, like, verbal warfare with them. Um, and if you didn't do anything wrong, you don't have anything that you need to justify. I would just, you know, politely tell them that read the rules and that you are within parameters given for the rules and that if there are any concerns with it that you're happy to discuss it with a representative of the convention um but other than that yeah just don't engage with them they're gonna do what they're gonna do and they're gonna say what they're gonna say regardless you can't control them but 
you can choose to remain level-headed and not be rude back because all that's going to do is give them ammunition to throw your way. This last question was probably the hardest one to answer, but I thought it was a really good question because this does happen frequently. And I paraphrased it because it was kind of a long paragraph that was written in. But basically what this person wanted to know was, what do you do when cosplay coordinators break their own rules? Wouldn't that make rules an opinion instead of a fact? And I know, Ash, you deal with some of this, like, in your real life job where sometimes things change. Now, I will say that most rules of a contest will have something stated in there that says that the rules and choices are up to the discretion of the coordinator, which technically each rule should basically say X, Y, Z up to the discretion of the coordinator. So basically, these are the rules unless the coordinator deems otherwise. Right. So, and I think part of it is important to look at um, what specific rules are we talking about and maybe why we might be choosing to break them. Um, So some of the examples that were given by this person were things like... um, having an extra person on stage, having a larger set, um, being allowed to compete with a costume that had already run an, won an award, even though the rules said that you couldn't because they were able to talk to them and maybe it was like a tiny contest and they decided it was fine. Like those types of pretty common ones that you're more likely to, like what you're likely to see. Um, And I could definitely understand the frustration as... You know, especially if you're a person that reads the rules and you're like, all right, these are my parameters. I understand them completely as they are written. This is what we're going to do. Totally get why you would be frustrated if somebody else then did it and then either won an award or didn't get in trouble for it that you know of. But honestly, a lot of times they don't publicly announce it if somebody gets silently DQ'd or anything. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, But there could be a variety of reasons um, why this occurs in the first place, um, the sizing one, for example, you know, they let them have a bigger set size. Possibly the set dimensions were based off of what last year's stage dimensions were. And maybe this year they got a bigger stage and therefore it was deemed allowable that you could have a bigger set. Or if it's one of those places where their stage hands normally bring on the set, maybe if the participants were willing to bring on the set, it was able to be larger in either size or weight. Um, The extra person on stage, same thing. Um, It could have been one of those things where maybe it was a size of stage issue. Maybe there is an undisclosed reason that you are not aware of as to why one of those extra people needs to be on the stage. Um, Whether it's, you know, helping with somebody else's anxiety or maybe they are, um, I mean, it, it could be anything, really. Um, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is I know that we've had people come on stage purely for support purposes um, for somebody that was somebody else in the group. Um, and so I don't think that's an uncommon incidence, I guess, concession. Um, the size that you mentioned for, you know, 
yeah, but, you know, I won, you know, best hallway for this convention, but maybe there were only like two people in it. Like you don't know what the circumstances were. In the the extra person, um, maybe an extra set piece, um, extra time on like stage, like those kind of basic. Sure, extra time on stage could be a, a mobility issue, possibly. Um, the other thing too, though, is a lot of times your time frames, specifically mentioned, are based on what they need for the show in the event that it fills and the event that everybody wants to use their entire time. Um, If the show is not full or if you know, based on what other people are submitting, that you are not going to be at your maximum amount of time, it is possible that they might ask for a couple extra seconds for a walk-on or... If it's somebody that has the, you know, a performance where they want an extra, you know, 15 seconds to set up or an extra, you know, 30 seconds so that they can do like another stanza in a song or what have you. If it's something that they've already established, um, it's already pre-recorded, or the, and they've proven possibly that they've, they're able to do it well, it's going to benefit the show in some way. There are a lot of reasons why time extensions get added. Uh, and usually, again, it's up to the discretion of the cosplay coordinator. In general, though, a lot of contest rules are really ambiguous. Um, and I think part of that is the people writing them. That's just the way that they wrote them. And maybe they can't read them another way at face value. Um, but in reality, a lot of them are very ambiguous. Um, and then a lot of people like to be able to have that wiggle room, just just a smidge. So if I know in my brain, in general, I don't want people that have won awards with these to compete again. But if somebody asks me about it, I'm willing to consider if it's, you know, like a con under this size. But I don't necessarily want to say that because I don't want everybody to do it. I mean, it's not something I would do as a coordinator personally, but I have seen that happen in the past. Um, and it's frustrating as somebody that, you know, if you follow the rules or if you didn't see the need, you know, to ask to be an exception to the rule, um, or fan art is a good example. Um, some places don't allow fan art at all. Some places will allow fan art with an established creator. Um, so like your Sakizos who does both original artwork and fan art, your Hannah Alexanders, your No Flutters, your Sunset Dragons those types of people, um, then that's considered like canon light um, because there is an established source material that was not made by the entrant. Well, and they get like that kind of stuff. Like I remember one, there's a convention that um, has a fan art category, but it's not allowed to win best in show. And one year a fan art won best in show because they decided to make an exception for this one person because they liked the entry enough. That's rough. And it's not not a small competition. That's rough. That was a, I mean, that was a bad call. But, so then it's like, okay, well, it might fan have been art's the, not the, allowed to win best in show, but fan art just won best in show. Well, and like, I don't agree with the rule that it shouldn't be able to well, win no, best I in show. Well, no, I don't either. So if you're like, going to allow fan so... art, then it should be eligible for like the whole thing. But like. Right. Because if it's the best 
crafted costume in the show, then, then it's obviously the best crafted give it, costume in the show. Yeah. Then you want to give it best yeah. in show, but if you gave it best in well, show, and, and I it have a feeling this was best it was a combo show. of um, it was it's a convention that requires performance for best in show, um, and I have was probably a combination of no one else really hit it out of the park to to you know as close as that person did, but like you can't do fan art and get best in show. So like, I get why people get really frustrated when it's like big and obvious like that. Um, Or if someone gets like an extra, you know, minute on stage, that's going to be noticeable. Um, Extra set pieces gets me, especially for um, like larger competitions where some people may be more limited with travel. Um, And if, you know, well, this person was able to drive and they brought this like massive thing, like, yeah, you know, sure. there needs to be some limits and parameters on like that kind of stuff. And when that gets wiggled, you know, that starts to not be very fair because that person does get like a massive advantage. Um, but that's you go, Gail. You know, <laughs> <laughs> breaking breaking C four, Gail, by bringing an entire Broadway set, and then they had to change I mean, their let's be rules. Honest, that that skit was it amazing. Skit was amazing. Let's be it honest. was. They did um, Shrek, Shrek the musical. So good. Um, but like we've seen that for kind of where it's like this monstrosity, and it's like, well, you only would have been able to bring that monstrosity because you can drive, and it breaks the rules. But the contest obviously wanted the performance, so they said yes. Well, and like we've been to shows before where the person physically couldn't fit the costume through the doorway. They couldn't put it on and wear up the ramp and they actually spent like 10 minutes putting it together on stage and then ultimately awarded it best in show. Now, was it the best crafted costume, most impressive costume in the show? Yes, 100%. But it broke a ton of rules. <laughs> like it broke a ton of rules, but they wanted it in the show. So they said yes. Um, you see this with Crown a lot. Crown's a really good example. They technically have a rule that says if your costume cannot get on stage, you can't compete. Yet they had like three different costumes that couldn't get on stage like in 2022 because they wanted them in the show. So ultimately, is this super frustrating when coordinators break their own rules like this? Absolutely. Can they do it? Yes, because it's their show. Does it mean the rules are no longer facts? No. And and expanding on like a bit of what I've done in my job previously and what I still do it um, to some degree. Um, so there's the, the notion of precedence, and you see this in legal cases quite a bit. Um, but it also comes up quite a bit um, with, with unions, um, different types of contracts, um, anything where you're going to possibly see a repeat scenario. Um, so a precedent is a principle or a rule established in a previous legal case um, relevant to court or other tribunal when deciding subsequent cases with similar issues or facts. So that's the, the standard definition. But like I said, it does apply to other areas, um, union grievances, labor relations, that type of thing, too. But the, the basic premise is, you know, if you did it before under these circumstances, then you should be willing to do it again. So I guess my question is for the con that allowed the fan art to win best in show, did they change the rule afterwards? Okay. Well, I mean, that would be a good justification for changing the rule. <laughs> like, or being like, hey, so you let this other person do this thing. 
so you should continue to do it in the future um so what do you do um just like we talked about um in our cheating episode you're going to want to be professional um don't go in guns blazing um being aggressive making accusations saying lots of uncool things um about or to people make sure you have your facts straight um if you don't make sure that you're admitting that up front so don't just submit hearsay as this is the absolute you you know you can very easily pose it as a question to show that you don't necessarily know 100 percent. you're like hey you know this is what this rule stated however it's my understanding that this person won best in show with this costume piece that was based off of fan art which is typically not allowed per the rules is this going to be changed going forward like that would be what i would petition for is if they have made an exception in the past i would bring it up to them again as the example and ask if that's going to be the rule going forward and or possibly just ask them to go ahead and make that change or make a formal clarification um in the case of you know if your convention that you won your contest at, you know, had 10 people in it. Okay. Well, that's, you know, that's something measurable that you could include. You could say at conventions under this size or at conventions of at least a 50% size of what Archon was last year or something along those lines. It's something where you could very easily come up with some sort of measurement to say, we're not going to count major awards if these circumstances or we're not going to count minor awards period like that's normal in general but i've also seen some where they say it doesn't matter what award it was and awards yes, an award regardless. i think that yoma does that right like they don't care if it's a judge's choice or anything you can't compete i don't know i don't recall i think they were the <laughs> one that so used many. to do that um that may have changed though because i think i think luna lady of R- light runs the whole thing now and it used to be two separate people also we did not say congrats for um, pulling off one heck of a contest within the dumpster fire that was Yomacon. Um, good job, because my understanding is the only thing that was successful about Yomacon was the cosplay contest. So, yes, round of applause because, to, to Luna and yeah, her people. <laughs> Yoma, Yoma was a dumpster fire. Pulling it out like always. More of a dumpster fire than it ever has been. So there's a lot of dumpster fires right now. So many, Ohio so Con. many dumpster fires. Him. Ohio Con. Oh my goodness. Ohio Con dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, that's, that's its whole, it's, that's a whole big so thing in and of itself. I get that, you know, there, cause you know, coordinators have unwritten rules that they'll use and there's, they have the right to change things. Technically there's still facts, but you, it's why we say ask the contest coordinator because you never know if they want to make an exception. We look at the contest rules more as facts, largely to help when somebody wants to fight you on a choice that you made. So particularly in the you cannot compete category. So that's where it's like, look, you have the rules. If you want to do something that's drastically 
off in left field from what the rule says, they're probably not going to make an adjustment for you. Which is why it's read the rules. If the rules say you can't compete with this thing, they're not going to usually suddenly make an exception to that rule. Right. Well, and is the request reasonable? Like if I if they if they allow two minutes for skits and I want five minutes for skits, that's that's not, not reasonable. reasonable. If I want an extra ten seconds, that's not unheard terrible. of. No, that's not right. unheard of. One thing to remember in general, though, is that you know if especially if a newer coordinator is coming in, depending on the organizational structure of the convention or event that you're at, sometimes changing rules is really easy. And you can do it at any time, whenever you want to. And sometimes changing rules is really hard, especially if they have to be approved by a bunch of different people. Or maybe it's really hard to get your webmaster to make upgrades to your website. Um, in general, I would say it's a good rule of thumb. You could always be less restrictive, but not more restrictive if you've already posted the rules and open signups. Um, so you could always give people a little bit more wiggle room than you did when you originally posted, but you really can't go stricter if you've had people sign up already. Um, that's just not fair to the people that were following the rules as they were when they did the sign up. Maybe the exception is something that hasn't come up before and they hadn't really had to consider it. Um, maybe it's something that came up in their brain, but it's never something they've actually had to address. More like we talked about earlier, maybe it was just kind of ambiguous to begin with. And the coordinator is like, yeah, I could see that as potentially being a thing. Um, like I said, though, I've policy and procedure. That was my job for like five years. So I would 100% if I was one of those people, especially if it was something that I was really passionate about. Um, if it was something that I felt strongly about that or I think that it should be this way instead I would just petition them to go ahead and make those changes and it's okay to say hey I I noticed under these circumstances that this was allowed previously can we go ahead and just make that the new rule going forward um I also think that's kind of a nice touch too if you're if you think that somebody cheated but you don't necessarily want to accuse anybody of cheating (laughs) us talking about our crazy American sandbagging rules. Um, if, you know, somebody got permission to participate based on the size of the convention that they won their award at, that's all fine and dandy. Um, but you don't know that unless the coordinator told you. And there's really no reason for you to be having those conversations with the coordinator. You don't need to know. It's like, why do you? It's not your problem. Like, well, no, but some people are, are, you know, but if, but what if I deserved that? And what if they uh, wanted that? Yeah, really that, yeah. Um, it's going to be one of those things. Because again, ultimately, the contest is over and there's like, they're not going to go back and change the awards after the fact. But I could say, hey, so, you know, this person won this award at this other convention, um, which I know is this. It's only got 500 people. Their contest is usually only 15 entries and that they were allowed to compete even though they'd already won, you know, best in category at that show. Are we going to make it, is that going to be the new rule going forward that under these circumstances, people are 
allowed to reuse costumes. You know, that's innocent enough. Well, that's the exact way that you address that. You don't go in and go, they already had an award and they shouldn't have won, but you have every right to ask if that's going to be like a new option moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, you don't accuse the other person of cheating and you don't accuse the coordinator of like violating their own rules without letting everybody else know that it was okay now. Like, it's just, hey, I noticed this. Can we, is that going to be the new, the new norm? Can we make that the new norm going forward so we're all on the same page? Can we get that in writing? Yeah, in I mean, in the end, coordinators have the right to change whatever the heck they want. So that is why we say ask the contest coordinator. But yeah, I mean, they do. They have the right to change literally any rule at any time. As if this is a exception that they sought and got and you did not seek an exception for the same thing and get turned down, then you don't know what would have happened if you would have asked. I mean, if you asked the exact same thing that they did and they got approved and you didn't, that's super bogus, but... We we are also not encouraging you to email contest coordinators about every rule to see if you can, like, get around it, but... Well, and the time to do that is during the off-season. Right. So, like, if... And I would encourage this for anybody that has a strong feeling about a rule at a convention they frequent or in their community. I mean, don't do it for just every con in the country because that's really obnoxious and that might not be the cosplay convention culture there. But, you know, if you've noticed that some place is kind of outside the norm for your convention culture or what you think it should be with some of their rules, it's okay to suggest a rule change and say, hey, you know what? I think that this would be a really good change for us to make and this is why. They're either going to do it or they're not, but they don't know that the community is interested in that as an option, fan art being a great example, unless people talk about it. So if nobody has ever asked to do Hannah Alexander in their cosplay contest to be counted as canon before, then they don't know that people want to do Hannah Alexander. If there's not ever been you know, a discussion where people wanted to do a closet cosplay category which i've seen at a couple shows if people don't ever enter in that and people have never expressed interest in it then they don't know that that's something the community might be interested in unless somebody tells them well i think that's all the updates we have for this fact versus opinion um it is a it is a fact that we are appearing at colossal con north next weekend in three shows (laughs) because yeah it's it's fine it's fine if you're going to be at colossal con north you will get the opportunity to see the first updated new edition of our stand-up show shit cosplayers say which is friday night at 10 p.m so you all should join us it is we are doing a brand new show called Bardanigans, which is a choose-your-own-adventure with our bards on a quest who are not very good at their jobs. So if you want more hilarity and silliness, you should join us on Saturday afternoon at 3. We are also producing the first ever Cosnanigans variety show. 
Uh, so Ooh. we will we will be doing a show with a curated selection of talent from the local area. You can see who is performing on our Instagram, but it should be a good time. That's going to be in main events on Sunday at one o'clock. And then we have a variety of mental health panels that are happening throughout the weekend as well. We are back in the meet and greet from three to eight. Phil will be there. You can come take selfies with Phil. <laughs> He'll be happy to see you. We also have merchandise, which includes um, Phil Standies. They're adorable. Yes. They're super cute. But we have um, Phil merchandise as well as some Barbie pronoun pins available this year. So we are going to be very, very busy. Please say hi to us if you see us. Um, we are going to be all over the place all weekend. I'm going to be dead tired by Sunday in my 14,000 rhinestones because Aww. she's back. If you also want to get an up-close and personal look at Harley, come to our show on Sunday. Now we get to go do all our prep and get ready for North next weekend. All the things. All of the things. All the things. I'm Ash. I'm Elle. We are Lobby Cosplay. And this is Shenanigans Cosplayers Say. You've been listening to Shenanigans Cosplayers Say, produced by LVC Productions. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube at Lavi Cosplay. Our podcast Instagram is podcast SCS. Our website is lavicosplay.com. Have a fun, crazy con or cosplay-related story, absurd cosplay question, or just something in general to share with us? Email us at podcastscs at gmail.com or DM us at podcastscs or Lavi Cosplay on Instagram. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and remember, just because you can doesn't mean you should.